that what I sound like? Oh, wow. Okay. I'm in the monitor, which is good, because that means you're going to be in the monitor when you sing. All right. We've got a, just a couple of announcements uh, that we need to go over. Uh, the, the big one is... One, I'm man. I'm glad to be back this week. Uh, it missed you guys last week. I had, well, I had some things come up. I guess I could say, uh, so I wasn't able to make it. Uh, but uh, glad to glad to be with you guys. It was, I was laying in bed trying to watch the live stream, tapping on my phone, uh, and then I just passed out. So, so I caught it up. I got to catch up uh, later. Uh, Zachary, great sermon on praying for one another, and I pray that you guys have been uh, praying for one another as as people came into your heads that you're able to uh, follow the encouragement that Paul gives us to uh, those things to to pray for them uh, so hopefully we were all able to chew on that again uh, this week the the sad thing for this week is this is Owen's last week with us for a little bit uh, and so and I just say for a little bit because I'm trying to keep that Keep that in mind. It's just a little bit. It's just a little bit. But I, I would ask you to, to join with us after service. Uh, when we go in there to fellowship, uh, we're just all going to gather around and, and pray for Owen and pray for him uh, as he'll be gone until June, right? Until June uh, as he's going to finish up and graduate uh, at the high school that uh, he went to in Maryland. Uh, so uh, I ask you to, to stay around. Even if you're not going to stay and eat lunch, uh, please just join us uh, as we do that because he's been a and it been a blessing to us, blessing to my family, blessing to the church in, in ways you you know you you don't know, which is one of the best blessings. Uh, I know you normally think Owen's very ostentatious and wants it all to be about him, uh, but he was a service to the church in in many many ways, and so we are going to miss him, and we will actually miss him. We're going to be sad that you're gone, but it's also going to be a a missing of a of a tool that the Lord has given to us, and so uh, we want to thank the Lord and all. Also pray for Owen as well, and I I told Jolt and Brenda that we'd pray and lay hands on him. The problem is we may not let him go, uh, so we may lay hands on him and be like, and now you can't go anywhere. Uh, so just join us for that uh, after uh, after service. We'll meet in there uh, and do that. Just want to make sure no one uh, scooted off without without knowing about that. Uh, also, coming up in March, you know, last week or the week before last, we talked about some of the new things we're trying to do, making new teaching times, uh, trying to take advantage of any open spots in any calendar, any days. Uh, and we mentioned that on uh, Sunday morning, Zachary was going to be starting uh, a Bible study in Chronicles, which is, I mean, second longest book of the Bible. I mean, that's huge. Uh, and and. I love Chronicles. It's been one of our favorite things to teach in our in our history classes, going through Chronicles. Uh, but that's going to start, it's looking at probably the first Sunday in March, which, man, I already forgot, is that the 6th? 5th. It was the 5th, because the 6th is a Monday. So March 5th, uh, the plans to start at 9 o'clock, so 9 o'clock, March 5th. It's going to be a family Bible study, so bring uh, your kids. We're going to gather up. Uh, Zach will be teaching from, uh, uh, from the book of Chronicles. Uh, just come. We're going to try and make it fit as best as we can for, for everybody. We'll, we'll see how that time works. Uh, but anyway, if you're, if you're free on Monday morning, you think, man, you know, we can get up and get ready and get to church uh, by nine and get together and gather around and, and as a family have a little Bible study. Uh, and we'd love to walk through Zach uh, teaching us the book of Chronicles. Uh, please come uh, if, you, if, you, if you'd like. That'll be starting in, in March. So March the 5th, that's going to that's gonna kick off. And of course, 
everyone is is invited. Perplexed look. Okay, okay. Uh, I think that's all the announcements that we've got coming up. Um, that's all that I had typed down. Uh, so I think, Zachary, if you want to go ahead and begin us in worship. morning church I uh, want to greet you uh, this morning with a few words from Paul uh, that we must reflect upon uh, personally so as I read what Paul writes uh, we are the I you are the I uh, in in what he's writing so uh, I encourage you to, to to listen carefully to, to these words. Uh, close your eyes if that helps uh, to, to focus your thoughts, uh, to hear these words from Paul um, and to, to think about them in the life you have lived and the life you are living right now. Uh, I pray that these words would uh, would would be in your thinking and your thoughts uh, at all times. Um, whatever gain I had, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. The surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things. And I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. So consider your life. Count your life. What has your attention? Is there anything that competes with knowing Christ Jesus, our Lord. We, all of us, each of us, have, have many things, many responsibilities that we, that we have been given, um, many, many opportunities to do wonderful things, great things, things that bring glory to the Lord, But is there anything that competes with knowing Christ Jesus, our Lord? And then what are you willing to suffer to lose in order to gain Christ?
my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that Thou art. Thou my best thought, by day or by night. Waking or sleeping, Thy presence my light. Be Thou my wisdom, and Thou my true word. I ever with Thee, and Thou with me, Lord. Thou my great Father, I Thy true Son. Thou in me dwelling, and I with Thee one. Riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise. Thou mine inheritance, now and always. Thou and Thou only, first in my heart. I, King of heaven, my treasure Thou art. I, King of heaven, my victory won. May I reach heaven's joys, O bright heaven's sun. Heart of my own heart, whatever befall, still be my vision, O ruler of all. Amen. Please stand with me to hear uh, this call to worship, wherein Jesus presents the cost of discipleship and teaches us to count everything as loss so that we might gain Christ. Let's start in Luke 14, verse 25. Now great crowds accompanied him, that is Jesus, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life. He cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not... While the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace 
So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is of no use either for the soil or for the manure pile. It is thrown away. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Our Heavenly Father, your kingdom surpasses any treasure that exists here on this earth in any amount on this earth. It is worth bearing our cross to follow you each day. We hold our blessings that you've given. We hold them loosely, knowing that they're a great gift, but knowing that the worth of knowing you is of surpassing value. And so we hold our blessings loosely and we cling to you. Please make us to be salt in this life. Lead us in the good way as we follow after Christ our Lord. We bless your name and we proclaim your praise through Christ the Son by the power of his Spirit. Amen. God our Father, we adore Thee, we Thy children bless Thy name. Chosen in the Christ before Thee, we are holy without blame. We adore Thee, we adore Thee, Abba's praises we proclaim. We adore Thee, we adore Thee, Abba's praises we proclaim. Son eternal, we adore Thee, Lamb upon the throne on high. Lamb of God, we bow before Thee, Thou hast brought Thy people nigh. We adore Thee, we adore Thee, Son of God who came to die. We adore Thee, we adore Thee, Son of God who came to die. Holy Spirit, we adore Thee, Paraclete and Heavenly Guest, sent from God and from the Savior, Thou hast led us into rest. We adore Thee, we adore Thee, by Thy grace forever blessed. We adore Thee, we adore Thee, by Thy grace forever blessed.
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one, we give thee praise. For the riches we inherit, heart and voice to thee we raise. We adore thee, we adore thee, thee we bless through endless days. We adore thee, we adore thee, thee we bless through endless days. And so church, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but... Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Father, full of power, maker of the heavens, maker of the world, forming all things seen and unseen, truly the Almighty, beyond all measured worth, holy is his name. We one father spirit son this is our god we believe forever he will reign let the church proclaim this is our god Jesus sent to save us, born unto a virgin, lived a perfect life, greatly suffered, dying for us. From the grave he's risen, seated now on high, and holy is his name. We Spirit, Son, this is our God. We believe forever He will reign. So let the church proclaim this is our God. Jesus will come back again to judge the living and the dead. Usher in the age to come, let everyone sing Amen. Jesus will come back again to judge the living and the dead. 
usher in the age to come. Let everyone sing Amen. Let everyone sing Amen. Spirit holy, glory speaking through the prophets, empowering the church. Life is given by and through Him, with the Son and Father, worshipped and adored. Holy is His name. We believe the Lord our God is one, Father, Spirit, Son, this is our God. We he will reign let the church proclaim this is our God we believe the Lord our God is one Father, Spirit, Son this is our God we believe forever he will reign let the church proclaim this is our God. The Lord, our God whom we proclaim, has taught us what is good. He has provided his word, the lamp, and the light for our way. And so let us pray now that he would teach us using that word through the work of his spirit within us. Let us pray that he would teach us good judgment, that he would give us knowledge so that we can find rest in his commandments. Let's sing part of Psalm 119. Prepare our hearts to hear. According to your word, O Lord, you have your servant blessed. Teach me good judgment, knowledge give, on your commands I rest. I strayed before you humbled me, your word I now obey. For you are good, your deeds are good, teach me your statutes way. The proud have smeared me with their lies, your precepts are my choice. Their hearts enclosed in fat are dull, I in your law rejoice. Affliction has been good for me, your laws I've learned to hold. As far more precious than great stores of silver and of gold. Lord, it is our confession that your word, your laws, your precepts, your testimony, your commandments, it 
is more valuable than gold. It is our great treasure. And so we open your living and active word so that it might convict, correct, train, comfort, guide, subdue, and encourage us. Use these words by the power of your spirit to teach us about you, Father, Son, and Spirit, and fashion us into your image. For your glory, we pray. Amen. One day when heaven is filled with his praises, one day when sin was as black as could be, Jesus came forth to be born of a virgin. He dwelt among men, my example is he. Living he loved me, dying he saved me. Buried he carried my sins far away. Rising he justified freely forever one day he's coming oh glorious day all right well if you've got your bibles let's go to matthew chapter 6 matthew chapter 6 We're talking, uh, continuing to talk about God delivering us from evil. That, that is uh, our prayer, as scary as it may seem, to have to pray and ask God to deliver us from evil. But it's not a part, it's not a part of the Lord's Prayer that sort of ends the Lord's Prayer. And it's not, not that's part that's supposed to, you know, sort of give us the, the heebie-jeebies. It's actually a part of the Lord's Prayer. And I would say that we, we can pray with with confidence, the, the same confidence that really we can have with every other part of the Lord's Prayer, of all of the things that we're asking for in this prayer. Every single one of them, as we've talked about, is something that God has, has always, is, and will do for His people. Are you one of His people? Then God has, is, and will do all of these things that we're asking for you. Uh, he'll do that now, uh, from now until, until the day you never die. That's, it's always going to be true. Uh, and that includes this last one of deliver us from evil. Even this last request. Now, I intended, my intention when we first were lining out all the things we we're going to talk about when biblical prayer, and I had my little black notebook of all the times that the Bible mentions prayer. And as I'd read through it, uh, uh, anytime prayer was mentioned, I'd write it in this notebook, and then it looked like it looked like a looked like a like a beautiful mind, but like just scratches and scribbles and all this. And one of the intentions was to go through every one of these uh, ask things that we're asking for in the Lord's prayer and see how each of these uh, prayers is 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 always uh, already and going to be answered. Uh, by the Lord, but then the the series got longer than I planned, and and I went well. We can't we can't do that for for all of them. So you'll have to wait. You'll have to wait for the book. So the book's going to have it, all, which I'm sure Canon Press is just waiting to get their hands on. Uh, but that's that's uh, that's that's not. We're not going to go through uh, obviously all of them. But I couldn't I couldn't not do 
And I know that's a double negative, but I don't abide by English rules. Uh, I couldn't, because we defeated England in the American Revolution. No. Uh, I, I, I could not talk about this, how God answers this part of the prayer. How God answers this, deliver us from evil. And, and, and part of that is because of our natural, the, the scariness of it, our natural inclinations, uh, the, the fear of evil that we, we rightly have. And, and, you know, it's not like I didn't ramp your fear of evil up even more when I was like, oh, you're just afraid of this little part of evil. Let me tell you all the spiritual things actually behind the evil that you see out there. Uh, let me show you the wizards behind the curtain. Uh, but what I wanted us to see, uh, I, I want you to know that you don't need to fear evil. That when you pray, deliver us from evil, it is not a Hail Mary prayer. It is not a, I don't think this is going to work. But deliver me from evil. It's not just chunking out some sort of holy hand grenade and hoping that the Lord blows up the evil that you're dealing with. That you can have great confidence when you pray. this, Because if you can pray this part of the Lord's Prayer, deliver us from evil, and know that the Lord, and be confident that the Lord's going to answer that, then you can be confident that the Lord is going to answer all of the others uh, as well. So, you know, as we, so one was we're facing this fear of evil that is natural, and it's natural in, you know, the inherent myopathy of our finitude to think that the world is more evil than it's ever been, so I really have to pray this, Lord, deliver us from evil, because I know, you know, no one's dealt with evil like me right now. Uh, so we've got that aspect of it, but the other thing is, the Bible tells us over and over, like we saw, tells us not to fear evil, to not be afraid. So, if our understanding of this prayer, deliver us from evil, if we pray this prayer from a place of fear, if we're praying this and we think, well, God's apparently not going to answer this prayer right now. So even though I'm saying, God, deliver us from evil, I'm thinking, but he's not really. He's not going to. Uh, or if the other side of it that I hear sometimes, if you're afraid to say, God, deliver us from evil, because then you think God might actually bring evil, uh, and so you don't even mention it, uh, because then he might bring something into your life. Uh, if we're praying this, this prayer from a place of, of fear, then we're going into this prayer all wrong. So we started uh, a couple weeks ago looking at how God has always answered this prayer, how from Genesis, literally from Genesis to Revelation, uh, that God has always delivered his people from evil. Uh, but our confidence, we're going to see, is not just that God has always done this. It's not just that, hey, he's always done this, so I'm sure he's going to do it for you. Our confidence, arguably, our, our greater confidence than that he's always done this, is that he has already answered this prayer for us. He has already answered. So not as he always answered this prayer for all believers, and you're part of all believers, he has already answered this prayer for you. God has already delivered us from evil. So we can, we can ask confidently for God to deliver us from evil because he already has. There's great confidence in asking for something that you've already got. right? Uh, and we're going to see that the Lord is going to show us that he has already delivered us from evil and the confidence that can come when we then pray uh, that, just like we've seen with the, the other parts of the Lord's Prayer uh, as well. So let's stand in the honor of reading the Word of our God, and then we will commit ourselves to what the Lord has spoken. Jesus tells us how to pray, how to, how to ask God for things, and this is what he tells us to, 
to pray. Beginning in verse 9 of Matthew chapter 6. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. All right, you may be seated. So we've, we've seen that God has always delivered His people from evil. We looked at that for a few weeks. But how can we say that God has already delivered His people from evil? That He's already delivered us? How can we go from being sure that God will, because He always has, to be sure that He is, because He already has? That we're praying a prayer that God has already answered. How do we get to that part in this deliver us from evil? Just to give us even greater confidence when we pray, Father, deliver us from evil. Well, to answer this one uh, is easy, and it's all going to go back to Christ. That God has delivered us from evil in Christ Jesus primarily. So when we pray for God to deliver us from evil, we know the answer to that prayer, the ultimate answer to that prayer, the great answer to that prayer, the answer to that prayer has already happened, and it happened in the person and work of Jesus Christ. So, how is Jesus the answer to this prayer, Father, deliver us from evil? Well, one, uh, Jesus is the fulfillment of all of God's promises, okay? So when we talk about how God has always delivered his people and how God promises to deliver his people, Jesus is the fulfillment of the promises of God, the promises of what God is going to do for his people. We see this, uh, we saw this when we were going through 2 Corinthians which I went back and looked, which was in 2016. What? I thought it was like last year. Uh, so when we were going through 2 Corinthians, it's probably one of the most foundational verses in the New Testament. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. It says, For all the promises of God find their yes in Him. That's in Christ. Find their yes in Christ. That is why it is through Him that we utter our Amen to God for His glory. So, so Jesus, what, what Paul said, Jesus is the lens through which to view all of the promises of God. And, and when we realize that, when we view all the promises of God sort of focal pointing in Christ, it allows us to then utter our amen to God for His glory. In other words, he's saying, Jesus fulfillment of all God's promises, we look at that and go, amen, God. Like, hey, you did it. Uh, amen to the Lord for doing it. We give Him, we give him glory. Jesus is that Focus And so for, for all of Christendom, no matter their relationship uh, to Christ time-wise, it is true that Christ is fulfillment of all of the promises of God. So let's take, for example, uh, God's promise to deliver us from evil. So the promise to deliver us from evil. For those who heard this promise before the coming of Christ, like, for example, Abraham, like we looked at, they can look to Christ and see that promise being kept. And seeing that promise being kept can say, Amen 
to that prayer that they ask God to do. They ask God to deliver them. They ask God to do this. God promises that he will, and they can look at it and say, Amen to God's glory. God has answered this prayer. He has done what he said we would do. In Christ, they are delivered from evil. Now, before Christ, were they delivered from evil in a thousand other ways? Up until that point, yes. Yes, they were delivered from a thousand evils leading up to that. But in Christ, they find that ultimate deliverance from evil. Now, the same is true for us as well. But for us, instead of looking forward to Christ, like Abraham would have to do, for us, we look backwards. Christ is where we were delivered from evil. So God has uh, uh, and is delivering us from a thousand different evil attacks even now. Yes, that's true, just as with Abraham. But it was in Christ then that we find our ultimate deliverance, where we can look at evil, at the evil we're facing, and we can know for certain it's not going to win. That the evil you're dealing with is not going to beat you. It is not going to overcome the kingdom of God. It is not going to prevail. And how can we have that confidence? How can we know that it will not win and we will be delivered? Why? Why can we say that? Because it is already lost. It is already lost. We've already been delivered from it. And so when we say our amen to God in this prayer, when we say deliver us from evil and all God's people say amen, we're say we must say that amen with our eyes fixed on Christ. Where we utter this amen knowing that God is going to deliver us from evil. Amen. God delivers from evil. Amen. Why? Because he already has. He already has in Christ Jesus. And the early church was confident of this truth. So post the death and resurrection of Christ, the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, the early church remembered this and was confident of this reality, they, that they have been delivered from evil. The, the deliverance from evil was not just some future thing that would happen, but that in Jesus, our deliverance from evil has already happened. We ask our Father to deliver us from evil. Our Father's answer, our deliverance comes, came in Christ. God delivers from evil in Jesus. Uh, and it begins by Jesus basically just beating up the bad guy. Uh, it begins with Jesus defeating the bad guy on our behalf, the evil one. And, and not just in the cross. Because normally what we think, we just think, okay, just in the cross. That happens not just in the cross, but the very presence of Christ on earth. In the New Testament, you get a lot of passages of Jesus not just promising to one day bring victory and deliverance, but that he has already brought it. Even before he goes to the cross, he has already brought the victory. Let's take, for example, what Jesus says when he's doing uh, great miracles. During the times of doing great miracles, what Jesus says is going on. You're going to see what's going on is he is delivering us from, from, from evil. Let's, let's take, for example, when Jesus goes toe-to-toe -to -toe with evil. Okay, you want to see how Jesus delivers us from the evil one? Let's go to where he goes toe-to-toe -to -toe with the evil ones. Where he goes toe-to-toe -to -toe with the demonic or toe-to-hoof. I don't know how it works out. Uh, and and let's, let's see what Jesus says when he is casting out demons. Let's see what he says has already taken place then. Turn to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. Jesus casting out demons. And if you remember, they accuse him. They accuse him of only being able to cast out demons because he must be working with the demons, right? It's like a, like a spy game here. Demons, get out. Oh, okay. We'll get out 
Oh, this must be, that's what they're saying is going on. You can only cast out the demons because you work, you, you must be working with that kingdom. You, must, you can only cast out demons because you're on their side. And Jesus says, it's not the kingdom of Satan that they're seeing at work, which is what they think. Oh, this is just the kingdom of Satan. He says, it's not the kingdom of Satan you're seeing at work. You're seeing the kingdom of God. And, and that that kingdom is doing something very interesting with the evil one that they can see taking place as he's casting out the demons. So look at what he says in verse 28. Matthew chapter 12, down in verse 28 uh, and 29. He says, but if... So it's not the house divided. It's not the house divided. I'm not going against, not going against the kingdom against itself. So it's not the kingdom of Satan, you see. But... If it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. So what they're seeing is that in Jesus, the kingdom, he said, you're not seeing the kingdom of Satan coming. You're saying the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has come, and the strong man, that, that Satan, has been bound, and Jesus is now plundering his house. The deliverance from the evil one is there already. I've bound the strong man. I'm plundering his house. That's what you're seeing. You're, you're spraying, you know, deliverance from evil God, and you're seeing me going through the strong man's house, this field of the Lord that he's, you know, sowed this, 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 this sweet in, and you're seeing me plunder his kingdom. Because this kingdom has come. The kingdom of God has come. It's here and it's, it's destroying the kingdom of, of the strong man. He's bound up and his kingdom is being taken away from him. Now Luke, Luke, adds, I love, Luke adds this line from Jesus, which makes it even cooler. Uh, it's just really cool. It makes it seem like an 80s action movie. Uh, it makes it even, even, even neater because it gives us the image of Satan, that Satan at the time of Christ is already on the defensive. Look at what Luke says in Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, verses 21 and 22. Luke heard these lines and he was like, oh, I gotta, I gotta, that's got to be in there. When a strong man, so this is the same story. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace... His goods are safe, but when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. I love this because it shows us Jesus takes on our enemy when our enemy is at full strength. Satan is not caught off guard. Satan is guarding his kingdom. Jesus doesn't come in with some sneak attack. And this isn't like Satan didn't know. I mean, we've all, I mean, the, all of the gospel, they begin with the story of the temptation of Christ. So Satan knows what's going on. And he says that Satan here is guarding his kingdom. Again, no secret attack, but Jesus can't be stopped. So Satan here, Satan here uh, is fully armed. He's guarding his palace. He's trying to keep his goods safe. And he can't stop Jesus. So, so remember, remember, remember saying the, Jesus saying this when you think back to what he says in Matthew, that the gates of hell will not prevail. Remember, that, that's, that's this, this context. The strong man can't stop the stronger man. His, the strong man is there, fully armed, and guarding his gates. And, 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 and Jesus tells Peter, the gates of hell will not prevail. They cannot stop the kingdom of God advancing. Because the, the, the one stronger than him is here. 
And we go, oh, is that what, you know, he who's in you stronger than, he, uh, than he's in the world? Oh, yeah, yeah. And not only does the stronger man beat him. Look at what it says. This. The stronger man doesn't just beat him. What does the stronger man do? He strips him. He strips him. He takes away his armor. He strips him of his armor and he strips him of his kingdom. And Jesus said during his life, he, 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 he says, as he's doing this to demons, he tells his disciples, that's what's happening now. He doesn't say, one day, one day, the strong man's going to see me coming and he's going to put on his armor and he's going to, no, Jesus says, you're seeing this because that's what's happened. The strong man has been bound and beaten by the strong man. The strong man who put on all of his armor, put up his best fight, tried to stop his kingdom from being taken from him, and I stripped his armor off of him. And I'm taking his spoils. That's what you're seeing in the casting out of the evil ones. That's me delivering you from evil. Not just promising to one day deliver you, but delivering you now, so in the life of Jesus, we've already got the Son of God delivering us from the evil one. So all the stuff we talked about, we said delivers from evil, and all, all the baggage of who is the evil that we're going in, not just what, but who, all of that that packs all the way back to the evil one, and we get Jesus in his life saying, I've done that. You see the kingdom of God here. You see the strong man bound. You see him stripped and beaten and his kingdom taken from him. But what Jesus is doing, it's not, it's, he's not just doing this in, in, a, in a vacuum. This is exactly, he didn't just come up with this plan and say, I've got an idea. This is exactly what God's promise would happen when he delivered his people from evil. So turn to Isaiah 49. Isaiah chapter 49. And we see what has to happen, and has always been true, if you're going to rescue people from a mighty tyrant, from a lord of sin and death, from a master that is a wicked and crooked master, who is guarding his goods and we are his goods. Look at what it says, beginning in verse 24 of Isaiah 49. Isaiah 49, verse 24. Can the prey be taken from the mighty? In other words, you go outside, you see a bear has caught and is eating a deer. Can you just walk up and say, give that to me. Give that to me. I'm an image bearer of the Lord and you will obey. No. Uh, can the prey, you can't just take it. Or the captives of a tyrant be rescued, be delivered. For thus says the Lord, even the captives of the mighty shall be taken, and the prey of the tyrant be rescued. For I will contend with those who contend with you, and I will save your children. I will make your oppressors eat their own flesh, and they shall be drunk with their own blood as with wine. Then all flesh shall know that I am the Lord your Savior and your Redeemer the mighty one of Jacob. So you don't, take, you, don't take, you don't take captives from a strong man unless you first defeat him. You don't walk up to a tyrant and say, hey, buddy, those are some friends of mine and I'd like to have those back. Uh, and you go, all right, thanks for asking and saying, please. That's not just what happens. You don't just, you don't just do that. You've got to beat the tyrant. You have to destroy the strong man. But God will take from the strong man, he says, and save 
his people. He's going to so beat the strong man that the strong man, instead of eating his prey, is going to be eating his own flesh and drinking his own blood, which I just, it's like, like I love that. I, I just picture like just the tar beat out of this guy. Uh, you know, where, where you've got blood going back into your mouth. You're so demolished. The tyrant is being just whipped and the people taken from him. And when he does, look what's going to happen. So he says the enemy's going to eat his own flesh. He's going to drink his own blood. In other words, he's going to be utterly defeated. And when he does, when the Lord does that, he says the world will know, all flesh will know who the true Savior is who the real Redeemer is. It's, 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 it's funny. One of, the, one of the apologetics for the Christian life, one of the things that, 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 that testifies to the truthfulness of the gospel is that the, the strong man no longer has a hold on us. It, 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 I mean, think about it. If you're living in a, in a world of, of captives and you see someone with the cuffs off, you want to know, how'd you do that? Why don't you, who took your cuffs off? How are you not, you got everyone else in this giant chain gang and you've got one guy walking free, one guy set free and you want to know, who did that? Well, all flesh is going to know that I, Yahweh, your Savior, did that. I, the Lord, am your Savior, am your Redeemer. I am the mighty one of Jacob. You want to talk about mighty? I am the mighty one. So our, deliver, our deliverance, uh, that, that, that we've been delivered, not just that we will be delivered, but our deliverance now, it's evangelistic. It's good news, not just for the future, but for today. Because our deliverance from evil has already happened, and your deliverance from the strong man, from the evil one, God having delivered you from evil is a testimony that the world can see and go, who did that? And you go, the Lord did that. The, the, the Lord is my Savior. The Lord set me free. You're still, you're bound to this guy. You're enchained to wickedness. And I'm not. You know why? I've been set free. You know who? By the Lord. He has redeemed me. He is mighty. He's mightier than the God you're giving your life to. And the apostles, all they point to this. And they say that these, these promises have been done for you. This has been done for you. And these, that these aren't just metaphors for what's going on in the world. That this is what God has done already for you. For us, these, these deliverances are very personal. We see that God has delivered us from the evil one. That He's brought us salvation. He's brought us redemption. That's what He's done. Not just what He is. And this is kind of what God is doing in the world. No, it's what He's done for you. And so when you get to the apostles and they're writing these things, God is making sure they, they realize, hey, you tell the church that these promises haven't just been done sort of in a, in a metaphorical way. They've been done in a very real way. God has delivered you from evil. Take, for example, Colossians chapter 1. Colossians, we'll go to Colossians 1, then we'll jump to Colossians 2 to, to get even more. Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Say this. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So it doesn't just say that God will one day deliver us. God has already delivered us from evil. He's already delivered us from the kingdom of darkness. God delivers us from evil by pulling us out of the authority of evil, pulling us out of bondage to evil and putting us in the kingdom of his son. 
God saves us by giving us a new king. A king that redeems us. A king that forgives us. Forgives our sin. We're taken from one kingdom into another. That we are in the kingdom of God. Because Christ has delivered us from the kingdom of the evil. He has delivered us from evil. Put us in the kingdom of his son. You're no more under a tyrant. No more under a, a, a wicked slave master. And how did he do this? How, how were we delivered? Well, Paul tells us that too in Colossians chapter 2. So how are we delivered? When did, how did this deliverance take place? What does this look like? Colossians chapter 2, go down to verse 13 through 15. So we've been delivered from the kingdom of darkness. And look at what that deliverance happened, how that deliverance happens. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of death that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. So, so the, cro the cross is, is it's a victory, but it's not just a victory. The cross is a victory, but it's also a defeat. It's a defeat for the evil one. And at the, at the cross, our debt is canceled. Our sin is forgiven. But at the cross, the enemy is also disarmed. The enemy is also shamed. The enemy is also triumphed over. So at the cross, we get both our victory in Christ and the evil one's defeat in Christ. That's not just a future hope that the enemy's going to be disarmed, that the enemy's going to be shamed, the enemy's going to be triumphed. This, this, Paul says this has already happened. In Christ we were delivered from evil because Jesus disarmed the evil one and his evil ones. The rulers and authorities that, remember, we wrestle against, they're there still. We're still wrestling them. But they're toothless. They fight a war, but they fight a war of shame. At the cross, Christ paraded them around. And, the Christ, and at the cross, Christ paraded them around for the world to see that they are nothing. The, the cross reveals that our enemies are nothing compared to him. But we're just not spectators in our deliverance parade. We're participants. So turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. So Christ is, has, has paraded around. He disarmed rulers and authority, put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. So they're being triumphed over. They're being, this triumphal parade is happening. But we're not just watching it. We're just watching this parade. We're part of it. Look at 2 Corinthians 2, 14. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. And through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. So, so we're, we are in this triumphal procession too. But we've got a new position. Christ parades our enemies as defeated and he parades us as delivered from those he defeated. He parades us around us. Look, I have delivered my people from me, which is exactly what we saw when we look back at Isaiah. When we saw Isaiah 49, that's what the Lord's going to do. That's how the world is going to know 
of the truthfulness of Christ. So not only, not only does Christ lead them in triumphal parade, he leads us. There is a proclamation of victory seen in our deliverance from evil. And that, that triumphal parade that he's talking about, they talked about in 2 Corinthians, he talked about in Colossians, that triumphal parade isn't a future promise. It's something that has already happened and is happening. It took place and is taking place right now. Because Christ continues to triumph and parade. I mean, that triumphal parade is still going on, marching across the globe and setting captives free. And there's nothing the enemy can do about it. He continues to be stripped and his kingdom continues to be stripped. I mean, you think at this place... This morning is a triumphal parade. Every Sunday that we walk in, it is a procession of glory. We, have we are children of the enemy that have been made sons of the king, and we march into here in that reality. Not just one day we will be. We march into here proclaiming the deliverance of God over evil in us already. Because we are sons of the king now. We were children of darkness. We're now sons of the king. We're hostiles turned into inheritors. We're the damned turned into the delivered. How can we not enter these courts with thanksgiving? When we pray, Father, deliver us from evil, we're remembering that. We're not just calling on that to happen. We're remembering that. We're, we're praying that dressed in festal robes. We're praying that dressed in garments already washed white. We're praying it while we walk in the victory parade. How could we not have confidence in it? How could we not have confidence when you're praying it in the midst of the parade of your deliverance? Hebrews is going to take it up even more when it comes to our confidence. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things that through death... He might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. So what has happened when Christ delivered us from our slavery to sin? It wasn't just a deliverance. It was also a destruction. Both deliverance and destruction are mentioned in this place. We, we often, again, we focus just on one side of it, but the deliverance happens through the destruction. God delivered us from evil by destroying the devil and using his own weapons to do it. And I love it. You add this to Luke, it just gets really funny, uh, really comical about how the Lord is just whipping uh, the evil one. He's fully armed. Uh, he's got his armor on. God strips his armor off takes his weapon and beats him with it. Uh, I just love it. I just, that's just, the Lord's really good. Uh, so God delivers by destroying the devil, uses his own weapons through Christ's death. So the one who used death for his power, Christ then uses death to deliver us. How? Christ has delivered us because he has destroyed the devil. Now, how can, that, how can it be that he has destroyed the devil since we're still wrestling against the evil one. We just talked about 
All the ways we're wrestling against the evil one. Now, how, now we found out he's been destroyed. So who am I wrestling against? Well, actually, I think the word destroyed, I think would be better translated as made him ineffective. Uh, uh, I started to get into the Greek of that. But just trust me, if you have a question about it, it's, it's good anyway. Uh, made, in, by, by, because what he's doing, by taking away the threat of death, and it, it's even better in just the context, not even just the fact that there's a better Greek word, but taking away the threat of death, Christ has made that threat, what? Ineffective against us. So the one who used the threat of death against us, we no longer fear death. We don't have a fear of death anymore. Why? Because Christ has risen from the dead. Death no longer has a hold over him. We're, he's the first fruits of us. We're not afraid of death anymore. Now, is death still happening? Yes, people still die. But the fear of death, his weapons are no longer effective. That's why I like that it's made ineffective, because that's what's going on. The devil is still there. He's not gone. He's poof. But he doesn't have any effect. Because for us, the fear of death isn't there anymore. Because Christ died and used that weapon of death against the very one who would destroy us. And he destroyed the destroyer and delivered us from evil by using the very thing he wanted to, to use against us. And he did use against us. So again, when we pray, Father, deliver us from evil, we know not just that he always does, but that he already has. Because he has made our enemy ineffective. Our enemy is, an, is stripped and being stripped of his kingdom. His weapons taken from him, triumphed around as defeated. He stripped him of his weapons. He stripped him of his kingdom. And he's delivered us from him. He's done it already. God has always delivered his people. Always delivered them from evil. And that's, that's not just a hope. That's happened. Already, God has delivered us from evil in his son. The king has come and delivered us into his kingdom. What value is there in understanding this aspect of that prayer, though? What value is there, one, I mean, just in recognizing the, the victory of your Savior but, and the deliverance of you and the fact that you're in a parade and when you walk in next time, you know, you're going to come in like, this is like a parade. You see all the people that should be on the other side and they're not. And we all should be damned and we're not. And we're walking in and we're happy because we've been delivered. This is a, I mean, I'm not going to say that next week we're going to walk in in par par parade fashion, uh, but that's what we're doing. That's what's going on. This is a parade of the glory of God of the stripped kingdom, of the evil one, of your deliverance that has already happened. Remember that. We're getting into that. We're getting into that in a second. So when we pray for, for God to deliver us from evil, one thing that this does is it, it lets us have confidence. And that's been the point of really wanting to focus on the always, already, and advancing aspects of this prayer of deliver us from evil is because we can have confidence, not just that God will keep his promises, but that, but that God has already kept them. When you say, God, deliver, deliver me, deliver us from evil, as Zachary reminded us again to never forget, it's not just deliver me, it's deliver us. When you're praying, deliver us from evil, you're not just wishing on a star for your friends. You're not just hoping on something that I'm sure God will one day do that. You're asking him to do what he's always done and what he's already done for you and for, for us. So it gives us confidence in, because you're, you're asking God to do what he's already done. 
The other thing is the, the magnitude, the magnitude of the deliverance should give us confidence. The magnitude of deliverance that's happening in the cross and what's happening is the evil one is defeated. And that's why, that's why I wanted to play up all that is happening because this is going to sort of shockwave outward into all the other evil that you might face. To give you confidence, if you, go, if you move from the epicenter of what God has done in Christ, from the big explosion, from the center of the nuclear blast of the defeat uh, of the evil one and, the, and your deliverance from evil, if you remember that, everything else just sort of buffets outward in a, in a, smaller, in a smaller magnitude. That gives you confidence in If God has rescued you, if God has rescued you out of the kingdom of the evil one, if he's already rescued you out from that evil, what makes you think he can't rescue you when you're in his kingdom? If God has rescued you from evil when you were in the kingdom of the evil one, and he was able to rescue you while you were in that man's kingdom, what makes you think he can't rescue you while you're sitting in his kingdom now? I mean, imagine, imagine if, if he went, pulled you out of a castle of an enemy and saved you, and now you're in his castle. You might, well, of course he can deliver me. He delivered me when I was over there. Of course he can deliver me here. And he delivered me when I was over there, and I was like, I don't even, not even sure I want to be delivered. Uh, <laughs> he delivered us, he delivered it, ripped us out of that kingdom and put us in the kingdom of his son. What makes you think he can't deliver you now when you're in his kingdom? He can do what the enemy can't which is protect his own, and not lose a one of them. Not lose a single one of his sheep. And he says that as he's taking sheep upon sheep upon sheep from the flock of the wicked one. That prayer has been answered. Deliver us from evil. That prayer has been answered and in a way that can never be matched or overcome. And that's important because, because if God has already done a big rescue, a big deliverance, a magnitude level deliverance, then you have no reason to doubt or fear that he isn't able or willing to do a lesser rescue. Of course he can rescue you from this smaller evil that you face. And every evil that you face now is by definition smaller because you're facing it in his kingdom. You're not facing it in, in the kingdom of the evil one. You've been rescued from that. I mean, everything else is smaller compared to that magnitude. If he's rescued you from the enemy when the enemy was fully armored and guarding his kingdom, then of course he can deliver you against an enemy that has been rendered ineffective. I mean, what do you have, what, 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 what do you have to fear? Think about it. You're praying this again while you're marching in the victory parade. No reason to fear. Pray it with confidence. Pray with assurance. So the magnitude of our deliverance, recognizing the magnitude of the deliverance that happened already will give us confidence when we pray for God to deliver us from the evil that we're facing right now. Because the evil we're facing right now is not going to compare to the evil we've already been delivered from. The last thing it'll cause you to do, and this lines up with what we saw last week and, and prayed last week as well for others as we thought about them and considered them, it will cause you to cherish your deliverer. As we pray and we remember that we've been delivered already, the already aspect of that deliverance will cause us to cherish our deliverer. Anxiety is born 
from a heart of forgetfulness. If you forget your rescue, if you forget what God has done, if you think it, it is all just going to be coming one day, then you'll grow anxious. You'll find yourself unsure. But if every day you're rejoicing in your new residence, if you're celebrating your new citizenship, then how could you ever fear? If you're remembering your new king, you'll never fear your former captor. Again, it's hard to be afraid when you're marching in a victory parade. And some of us, we just haven't realized that we're marching. We think that parade is just coming. That parade is now. That parade is happening. You're a part of it. So look to Christ and find the assurance of already answered prayers. Let's pray. Let's just take a moment. And we talked about cherishing our deliverer. We're looking at asking God to deliver us from evil and how he already has in Christ. So let's cherish our deliverer right now. Just take a moment before we even pray. Just take a moment and thank the Lord for delivering you. Thank the Lord for what he has already done. Not just what he's going to do someday. What he's already done taking you out of the kingdom of darkness, put, him in the, put you in the kingdom of his son, and did it, did it while the evil one was guarding you, trying to keep you fully armed. And your deliverer stripped him and beat him with his own weapons and plundered his kingdom by plundering you. I mean, we think about what that would be like if an earthly person did that and how we would cherish them. And an earthly person that does that is just a, a small picture of what an even more important battle that has taken place. A more important deliverance where your body and soul have been delivered by Christ. Where it is true, you no longer fear death because you will never die. Here's a reason we said that God will be faithful to you from now until the day you never die. Because you don't, not, not only do you know fear death, you don't fear death because Christ has told you that you will never die because he has delivered you. He's delivered you from the evil one and he's delivered you from his weapon. The fear of death means nothing to you. Cherish, cherish your deliverer. Thank him for that deliverance. And cherish the deliverer by not being mopey. I mean this. Imagine someone moping in a victory parade. Imagine someone shaking or quivering or looking all around in the midst of a victory parade. You'd look at them and you'd say, hey, snap out of it. You're, you're in a triumphal procession here. The enemy's been beaten. You've got nothing to fear anymore. But anxiety, remember, it comes, it comes from a heart of forgetfulness. Remember your deliverer. Remember how that deliverance has come and it will give you assurance for deli the deliverance you think you will need.
and have confidence. Ask the Lord now to give you confidence when you pray to be delivered from evil. Ask that you would know that He always delivers His people and He has already delivered you. So whatever you're facing, you know, you do not need to be afraid. Ask Him for that confidence right now. Father, we pray these prayers in a new kingdom with a new Father and a Redeemer having been delivered from the evil one. And so Father, as we think about You delivering us from evil and You teaching us to pray that, to ask You to deliver us from evil, what confidence we can have to know that You already have delivered us from evil. That we pray this prayer in your name as your children. Rather than when we lived exchanging your name as your enemies. Everything has changed for us now. Because you delivered us in your son. And so father I pray that you would give us great confidence, that we would, we would pray this, none of these things, we would pray timidly, but especially this last one, that we would pray it with a sense of victory, a sense of triumph, as we are being led by our Christ. As we've been delivered and our enemies defeated. Please, Father, fix our eyes on you, on the Son, through the power of the Spirit. All of this by your hand. And we are confident, Father, that your hand will never leave us or forsake us. That no evil that comes against us shall stand. Because it never has. It never will. The gates of hell cannot prevail. Your kingdom will advance in us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The Lord is building his kingdom. The Lord is, is building his house. Uh, the gates of hell cannot prevail against its advance. Um, we are witnesses of it. Uh, we, we are stones in it. We are living stones in that house. Only the Lord can do that. Only the Lord can build that kingdom. Only he can construct that house. And let's confess this in, in a psalm, uh, one of the psalms of ascent, one of the psalms that uh, God's people would sing as they approached Jerusalem as they approach the temple for for worship, anticipating uh, the the promises that that temple symbolized, uh, and confessing in this particular psalm, Psalm 127, uh, that it is the Lord only uh, who builds this kingdom and who builds this house. Uh, we confess, and as we sing it, we. We give thanks. We give thanks that the Lord has begun building 
this house. And we see with great clarity what our fathers saw in hope that Christ would come because Christ has come. Their faith is the same as our faith, our faith centered, focused on that lens as Paul helps us to see, that lens of Jesus Christ. That temple they were approaching was just a a little picture of the temple that God would construct with David, his servant. So let's stand and let's sing this psalm of ascent, uh, this psalm 127. And again, make that confession as we sing it, that it is the Lord only who builds the house. If he is not building, the builders are doing it in vain. It is the Lord only who keeps his people. Let's confess, let's give thanks, and let's pray. Father, deliver us from evil. Except the Lord shall build the house, the builders build in vain. Except the Lord the city keep, the watchmen watch in vain. Tis vain to rise before the dawn, or late from rest to keep, to eat the bread of toil, for so he gives his loved ones sleep. Lo, children are the Lord's good gift, rich payment are men's sons. The sons of youth as arrows are in hands of mighty ones. Who has his quiver filled with these? Oh, happy shall he be when foes they greet within the gate. They shall from shame be free. Lord, we give thanks for this day, for this word that you have given to us. Uh, this this testimony of your faithfulness, of your deliverance from evil. You have always delivered your people. You have delivered us from the great evil. Christ has achieved the victory and his kingdom is advancing, bringing the gospel of that kingdom, the gospel of that victory into all the world. Father, may we be harbingers of that gospel in the way we live and what we say. May our testimony drip with your word and may our lives have that aroma of Jesus Christ, our Lord, the one who has bound the strong man and has achieved victory over evil. Lord, deliver us from evil. In Christ we pray. Amen.